You're listening to STS Podcast. We pray that this message will encourage you and give you hope throughout this week. Three weeks ago, three or four weeks ago, we went to Guatemala, had an awesome time. And then last week, of course, we were in South Dakota. And for our teams over the past few weeks, we have been going through the book of 1 John. And I tell you, 1 John is, is just an amazing, amazing book. We'll get about the author in, in just a, a few minutes. Um, but we have really enjoyed, I have really enjoyed going through 1 John a couple of times and just really seeing what God has for me out of the book of 1 John. So if you have your Bibles, if you have a Bible, uh, if you have a, a device that has the Bible on it, I want you to go ahead and dial in or turn to first the book of 1 John. If you go to Revelation, turn left and you'll get to it just a few books after. After that, you'll go Revelation. If you're going back, there's Revelation, Jude, 3rd, 2nd, then 1st John. So you'll get there in just a second. And we want you to be there. Growing up, and I've seen these, maybe you have seen these. We actually have one of these uh, right down the road uh, from my house. Uh, churches with the, the old school marquee where they, they put signs like announcements or little uh, slogans on. You ever seen one of those churches that have like a church sign that, you know, they have the letter board? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, a few of you do. Okay, so <clears throat> back in the 90s, and, and again, this, this happened last week for me. I was coming home and I saw these and, and it happened a few weeks ago and they've switched it up a few times. But I don't know what it is, but some churches just like to get your attention. And the way they get your attention is put the cheesiest church sign on the marquee. I I mean, I've seen some cheesy ones throughout the years. And maybe you have too. I've seen things like, this church is prayer conditioned. Exactly, get (laughs) prayer conditioned. Uh, Walmart isn't the only saving place. Like it's one of... Yeah, these are real signs. Get off Facebook and in my book. And then it's like God says that, you know. Yeah, I hear you. Um, this one, this one is, is a popular one. I've seen this. I can't tell you how many times I've seen this. God answers Nemail. Yes, Lord. Um, why pay for GPS? Jesus gives directions for free. Exactly. Um, This one was one from South Georgia. We are Dairy Queen, but we got great Sundays. Yeah. And this one was probably the all-time best of all of them I've seen. God is the potter, not Harry. And I was like, oh my goodness. Some of you are going... God is the potter, not Harry. What is a Harry Potter? Oh, yes. I'm telling you, cheesy, cheesy things. And back when I was a student, when I was a teenager, we we had some things going on and we we tried to do some different things. We had the old switcheroo back when I was a teenager. And this this one, so if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I want you to write this down because it'll make sense. It'll make, the visual of this will make sense. No love, N-O, Slash, no love slash no God. So no love slash no God. And then right underneath it, K-N-O-W love slash K-N-O-W God. No love, no God, no love, no God. You, Zach, you follow me. You're tracking with me this morning. And, and, and so it was the old switcheroo. 
And, and that's kind of one of those things where we see this and we're going, what, no love, no God, no love, no God. What in the world does that mean? And when, and when I was thinking about these, these cheesy things that we've used for, throughout the years, and it really, they're, they're using that stuff to try to grab your attention and, and, and tell you something that they want you to hear. Now, we ain't Dairy Queen, but we got good Sundays. That just means, you know, the church is, you know, but anyway. For this one, no love, no God, no love, no God, I kind of think John would maybe use this in the same way. I think John, the author of this book, may use the no love, no God, no love, no God in the same way to try to get your attention. And here's why I say this. In the book of 1 John, just in the book of 1 John alone, the word know or acknowledge or some type of variation of it is used 13 times. 13 times in the book of 1 John. And that's, that's a lot for a book that's only five chapters long. That's a lot of usage. But then it gets one more step. The, the, the word love, the word love is used 44 times in the book of 1 John. 44 times in the book of 1 John. And just in chapter 4 alone, it's used 27 times. So that tells me that the author, John, wants us to understand. He wants us to know God and he wants us to know love. And he wants us to know these things because there's an importance on what he's trying to talk about in this book. Now, before we go any further, can anyone tell me anything about the author of 1 John? Anything about the author of 1 John? Does anybody know just maybe a tidbit of information about the author of 1 John? Who wrote the book? Very good. I'm, that, hey, you, at least you didn't say Jesus. Now, that would be the church answer. But no, it, John. So who was John? Who was John? Someone tell me who John was. He was a disciple. Very good. So John was a disciple. This John was not John the Baptist. So I want to clear that up. Some people might think that this John might be the John, John the Baptist that was baptized as Jesus' cousin. No, no, this is not John the Baptist. This is the apostle, the disciple, John. Any, anyone else? He was Jesus' favorite. He was Jesus' best friend. You'll see in the book of John, he actually wrote the Gospel of John. That was his first book, his first, his, his first writings. And you'll see in the Gospel of John that he refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Literally, what, how we would translate that is Jesus' best friend. Someone else, just someone else. He had a nickname. Does anybody know his nickname? He and his brother. You might know. You might know. You get a gold star. Oh, Caleb's got that hand up. What is it? What? Sons of Thunder. Y'all give it up for Caleb. Very good. Sons of Thunder. They were Zebedee's sons, and he and his brother were called Sons of Thunder. Now, John, he wrote the Gospel of John, and then he wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Revelation. He wrote, not Revelations. Some people like to put the S on Revelations. It was Revelation. It was one revelation that, that God imparted on John on the island of Patmos. And you need to understand, when he's writing this stuff, John also, one more thing before we go into, into his writing today, he was the only disciple that was not martyred for his faith. He actually died of old age. He was the only disciple out of all the disciples that did not get killed because of his faith. He died of old 
age. It wasn't that people didn't try to kill him, but he actually died of old age. Out of all the disciples, he was, he was not martyred. Now, at this point, John is in his 60s, probably in his mid to late 60s. He's getting older in years. He's, he's seen a lot. He's walked with Jesus. He's seen the ministry. He's seen the church explode. He saw Jesus, you know, die on the cross. He was there. He was one of the first ones at the tomb to see that Jesus had risen from the grave. Uh, he walked with Jesus. He saw Jesus ascend to heaven. And he was there when Jesus was doing all his miracles. And then he was there when Jesus said, when the Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, the ends of the earth, and the beginning of Acts. And so he's seen all these things, and he gets to the point where he has to write this letter of 1 John, and he, he, he writes this out of the three letters. He writes this letter to a church that has fallen to some false doctrine. He's, he's written this letter to a church that has believed in some things that they should not believe in. And, and one of the things, it, which is called heresy, and one of those things is Gnosticism. Now you need to understand, this is just kind of a blanket to, to kind of get you to understand why John writes the way he writes. Because if you read, and I want to challenge you this week to read the book of First John. It's a really easy read, read a chapter a day, and man, I tell you, it'll blow your mind. But when he's, he's writing this, you need to understand, these people have been, have been given a little truth with a little sprinkle of lies, and they started to believe it. And some of those have known about Jesus for a long time. Some of them have, may have even seen Jesus. And then someone started lying to them, and they started believing the lie. To the point where it was like Jesus was not, was not here physically, that his spirit was here and that was, it, it was kind of like a ghost, an apparition that we could physically see, that we could physically touch. I don't understand all the ins and outs of it, but they, they believed that, that Jesus was not physically here. It was his spirit. And then that, the good things that we do are in the spiritual realm. And the bad things that we do are in the earthly realm. And they believed all this th stuff that was, it was just, it was just again, Truth sprinkled with lies. And so John writes this letter to the church, and he, he's, he's telling these folks, listen, you can't believe this stuff. And he really gets black and white. If you read this book, you know, there's not much room for gray in the book of John because John is so passionate and he's so truth-telling that he wants his readers and he wants us today to understand that there should be no uncertainty. There should be no uncertainty because here's the deal. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Certainty brings confidence. Certainty brings confidence. Uncertainty brings doubt. And you're saying, well, Ryan, that makes sense. But I want you to understand, the key here is certainty brings confidence. And when you're certain about something, and you're confident, when you know, like you see this piano, and you're like, the front of it's black, and the around is brown. I am certain that you can't argue with me that the inside is pink and the outside is blue. Like, I am certain that this part is black and this part is brown. Some of you might look at it and go, no, you're wrong, Ryan, which I would have to say, that's fake news. Because here's the deal. 
This is black and this is brown. There's no getting around it. I am certain about that. And it goes to think, uh, John's going to the things that we understand, that we know in our hearts about God, that we can be certain about our salvation. So as we look at the book of 1 John, as we look at, as we look at uh, these, these five chapters, and we're just going to kind of give an overview of the things that John, but I, I think it, it relates to us today. I'll give an illustration about that in here in a few minutes. But when I look at the book of 1 John, I see three things and what it does. And I see three things that, three truths that it, it reminds us that we need to be reminded about. So three things, if you're taking notes, number one, the joy of your salvation. The joy of your salvation. The book of 1 John, or John, I'm just going to say John for here on out. John wants us to be certain about the holiness, number two, the holiness your salvation brings. And number three, the promise, the promise of your salvation. So number one, the joy of your salvation. Number two, the holiness of your salvation. Number three, the promise of your salvation. So if you're looking at the book of 1 John, and we're going to talk about that first point, the joy of your salvation. Can someone read this verse for me? 1 John chapter 1, just verse 4. Verse 4. First John 1, 4. If you have your Bible open, someone, can you read that for me? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. We write this to make our joy or your joy complete. So he wants us to understand. He wants to have confidence in the joy of your salvation. Now, we need to understand. You need to understand what is joy. What is joy? It's not just a girl's name. What is joy? And, and the easiest way that I know how to explain joy is it's the difference between or excuse me, asking the question, what is the difference between joy and happiness? Can anybody tell me, what is happiness? Are they the same? Let me ask that first. Are joy and happiness the same? No. No. Why, why aren't they the same? Yeah, there you go. Happiness is temporary. Also, I might say that happiness is circumstantial. Happiness is circumstantial. You came in and there were donuts on the table. You were happy. If you came in and there were no donuts on the table, you would be sad. Come on, you'd be sad. I know you would. But here's the it's circumstantial. Joy, true joy, true joy comes from our salvation. Listen, we were lost. You were lost and now you're found. You were blind and now you can see. You were in darkness on the road to death and destruction and hell. And when Jesus intervened, he saved you from going down that path and saved you to give you life and give you life abundantly. And just in that alone, we should have joy that we get to spend eternity with him. And not only do we get to spend eternity, that you get to spend eternity with him forever in heaven, that on this planet earth, that you have freedom through the cross. That should give you joy. That should give you joy. So John reminds us that you need to have joy in your salvation. He writes this book to number one, that, that your joy may be complete, the joy of your salvation. Now you need to understand, 
it's okay to be unhappy. It's all right to be unhappy. But our hearts should have joy. James talks about, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kind. That joy comes from the Lord. That joy comes from the Lord. You can have true joy if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So number one, John writes this to give you confidence of the joy of your salvation. Number two, he writes this about the holiness your salvation brings. Can someone read uh, chapter two, verse one? Just that first sentence. All right, can you, can you say that just a little louder so the people in the back can hear you? My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. I write this to you so that you will not sin. He, he prefaces this sentence, my dear children. He's writing this again in an older age, so he's writing this out of compassion and love, and he wants his readers, he wants the people that see this, even you today, he wants you to understand. He's writing this so that you do not sin. 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 So let me ask this question. What is holiness? What, what, is, what does holiness mean? Pure. Pure, okay. To be set apart, okay. In, a, in the, in the gr- grammatical saying or meaning, what does holiness mean? To be holy, right? Right? Is that, isn't that what nest means? If you put nest at the end of any word, to be holy? <laughs> Caleb's going, oh, I should have said it. <laughs> For real. <laughs> I knew that. But it's to be holy. And what it, that, that you guys are right. It means to consecrate yourself into a right relationship with God. Consecrate yourself in a right relationship with God. R.C. Sproul, one, a famous, famous, famous preacher said this, holiness affects every part of our lives which we're involved. Holiness affects every part of our lives which we're involved. Everywhere we go, everything we say, everything we think about, everything that you do, every moment of your day, every part of your being, holiness is there. And we have to ask this. So if, if, if John is telling us that, that we shouldn't sin, he's writing these things so that we don't sin, we need to understand what sin is. And we've talked about that before. We need to understand what the definition of sin is. Sin, if you, if you have not heard this, sin is an archery term. Sin is an archery term. So if you're out on an archery field and the guy has a bow and a guy has an arrow and he pulls it out of the quiver and he pulls that arrow back and he shoots that arrow and he misses the bullseye, that means he is a sinner. Now, if you go to like 4-H camp or Boy Scout camp and you do that and and someone misses, don't walk up to him and go, sinner. That would be bad. Like, grammatically, and you're correct, but that's literally what it means to miss the mark, to, to miss the bullseye. That's what it means to sin, and God is in that bullseye. And so when John writes this, he writes this letter to you to say, hey, I'm writing this to you, that you will have confidence to know that you, can, you, you don't need to sin. You don't need to sin. This holiness that salvation brings 
is a true deal. It's a big deal. We talked about a lot of that. Uh, I, I love when we go on trips. If you, if, man, we want you to join us on everything that we got going on. But one of my favorite things to do, one of my favorite things to do is the car ride from place to place. Because when you're in that car and you kind of, as a leader, I kind of turn the music down or, and we, we turn Taylor Swift off and, and uh, okay, we may turn it up a little bit. But anyway, but, but we turn it down and we're listening and we're talking and we're, we're dialoguing about what's going on and questions start being asked. And man, we start talking about scripture and we started even talking about sin and holiness and, and, and what it takes for God to just intervene in our life that, that God is better than anything else that we could ever imagine. We, yes, the enemy comes and tries to divide. And yes, that he comes to come in. And we'll talk about that in a second. Man, we, we keep Jesus number one. Keep Jesus number one. And it's not because of anything that you do. And it's not because of anything that I do. It's all because of what he did on the cross that can bring holiness. So John writes this to you so that you may be reminded of the joy of your salvation, that you might be reminded of the holiness of your salvation. And number three, he writes this to you so that you may be reminded of the promise of your salvation, the promise of your salvation. If you have your Bible, if someone would look at uh, chapter five, verse 13, Chapter 5, verse 13. If, if you might, someone read that for me. Chapter 5, verse 13. If you have that, just go ahead and read it. 513. I write these things to you. What was that next line? Um, or the next little part? I write these things to you. Okay, pause. Who believe in the name of the Son of God. You believe in Jesus. Jesus is your Lord and Savior. He's saying, I'm writing these things to you, those of you who know Jesus as your Savior. And he writes these things. Why? So that you may know that you may know that you have eternal life. That you may know. Again, we've talked about this before, but the enemy's number one goal, his number one goal in your life and in my life is to divide. He wants to divide friendships. He wants to divide families. And most of all, he wants to divide you in your relationship with God. And he'll use anything he can to wedge his foot in the door because he knows if he can just get a foothold in there, he can slip his hand in, he can put his shoulder in there and he can, he can weasel his way in. I can't tell you how many times, and I'm just being honest, especially when I was your age, in my mid-20s, and I even struggle with this sometimes every once in a while. I struggle with my salvation. There are times I'll lay in my bed. There were times when I would lay in my bed when I was a teenager, when I was your age, and go, man, I blew it today. I mean, I royally messed up. How could I even do this? How could I even say I'm a Christian? How could I even, how could I even claim to know Christ as my Lord and Savior? And it would feel like this, this weight of a thousand bricks was on my shoulders. And it's like, man, I, I would think I just, I blew it. How many times have you thought and had that same feeling yourself? 
And we, we think about that. And you say, Ryan, I, I've been there. I've been there. And you know why you've been there? Because the enemy wants to put you there. He wants to make you doubt your salvation. He wants to make you doubt that moment where you realize that God chose you and called you out. He wants you to forget about that moment so you'll forget about God. And John writes this out of love and John writes this out of compassion and he says, I write these things. I am so black and white and I tell you these things for one reason and one reason alone that, uh, that you who believe in the name of the Son of God, you who know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that you know, that you are confident that Jesus saved you and you have eternal life. Jesus has saved you and you have eternal life. And the thing about it is, I think oftentimes we get in this rut of, well, I messed up or I've, I've, I've gone astray or I fell down and scraped my knee spiritually and I've got to do these things. If I could just, I, I need to go to church more. I, I, I just, may, I, I need to go on a mission trip. Or, or I, need, I need to do this. I need to have my quiet time. I need to pray. I need to listen to Jesus music. I need to, I need to, read, I need to read the scripture. I need to read all of it. I need to start in Genesis and go to Revelation. And, and if I do all these things and I get everything right and I line it all up, man, it'll all make sense. And that's not what God says. He says, there's nothing that you do. And you can try to do all those things. And all those things are great. Don't get me wrong. All those things are awesome. In your spiritual life, man, I think a lot of those things you need to do, I need to do. But we don't do these things during favor for God. We don't earn these things to get an extra gold star on our, on our poster board in heaven. Because here's the deal. All that stuff has already been done. We have confidence because of what Jesus has done for us how do we have joy how are we confident in our joy here's the deal we know jesus k-n-o-w we know jesus how do we have joy we know jesus how, how do we stay holy we know jesus we know jesus you say okay how do we practically have joy in our in a in a tough circumstance how do we, Ryan, it's easy to say, know Jesus. Where you're in that circumstance and you're in that hard, that hard moment, you say, okay, Jesus, show me yourself. And I've been asking this a lot of, of, on, on the mission trips as I read God's word. Okay, God, what do you want me to see about you in this situation? And then what do you want to see about me in this situation? What do I need to see about me in this situation? And when it all comes back to the cross, I'm reminded that Jesus has given us his best, that we might have joy. So we look to the cross. How do we stay holy? And we say, okay, know Jesus. How do we stay holy? We know Jesus. We need to understand that in those moments, there's always a way out in those sin moments. It's just a click away to get out. It's just a, a, a walk away from a conversation that you don't need to be in. It's just one phone call to someone who, who loves you and who cares about you and say, hey, would you pray for me? It's one text. Hey, I, I'm struggling right now. 
Would you, encur- would you just, can, I need some encouragement. And Jesus will pour that out. And it's filling our minds. And scripture talks about renewing our minds day by day. And one thing I've, I've said for years, it's hard to sin when you're singing Jesus music. It's hard to be in the middle of the sin when you're singing worship music. While you have your pen and paper down, I'm going to say what, what uh, Daniel said. Man, y'all go listen to a song called So Will I by Hillsong United. You want to be encouraged? Whew. Whew. Put that song in your head. So how do we hold on to the promise of our sal- salvation when the enemy is coming at us and we're laying in bed and, and he's, he's tempting us and he says, how do you, you say you're a Christian and you do these things? How, how, do you, how do you know Jesus in that moment? Because it's easy to know Jesus. Well, if we're filling our minds with the truth of God and we're meditating on this, man, we quote scripture just like Jesus did. So we gotta know it. We have to get in it. We have to know God's word. So how do we have joy? We know Jesus. How do we stay holy? We know Jesus. How do we hold on to the promise of our salvation? We know Jesus. And I just pose this. Well, imagine if we truly lived. Imagine if we together, not just as a student ministry, but as the body of Christ, we live in that moment that our, our sins are forgiven. He is faithful and just like John says in 1 John 1, 9. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us through, from all unrighteousness. He can do it. Too many times I think we think God, God isn't big enough. He's not big enough to love us even through our mess. But friend, he is. He is. Man, my prayer is that this week, whatever you're doing this week, that we would have an overflow of confidence in Christ. Not that a confidence brings cockiness, but we have confidence in knowing that Jesus is my Savior, He is my Lord, and He has a plan for my life, and He gives me hope. Next week, as we talk about about our South Dakota trip, one thing that's going to be a recurring, a recurring uh, theme is hope. Because I'm going to tell you, there was a lack of hope in South Dakota. And you'll hear that next week. But for you guys and gals in this room, man, I want to encourage you to be reminded of the hope that you have today. Let me pray for you guys. Thank you for listening. You can check out other messages of this and other series at stsatlanta.org slash podcast. Have a blessed day and hope to see you soon.